Well, good evening. <laughs> I was just making sure I was on Facebook there, especially for those who will be uh, giving us prayer requests there. I uh, want to welcome those who are there on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, any of those platforms. Be sure to heart, to like, to share. Uh, be sure also to to uh, retweet there on Twitter, uh, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Facebook. All that will get you the live notification every time we go live. And then welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming. Some of those are in person with us this evening, so <laughs> glad to have those. Uh, but if you're there with us on our phone live streaming or you need that number, uh, please see me. We'll be glad to give that number to you so that you can uh, be able to follow along with us uh, on the phone lines uh, there. Let me just encourage you also, if you uh, have access there to the website, to Highland Baptist church.com uh, if you'll go under the info tab there you can download the worship bulletin for this week or for this past Sunday has all the weekly activities that are coming up and even into the next week we also have the children's worship bulletins there that you can uh, download and share with others you can just send the link to others if you want and if you need those in person uh, they're in the windowsills uh, on both sides for the bulletin as well as at the doors and then the children's worship ones are on my right here so be sure to grab one of those if you need those uh, tonight and while you're there especially uh, for tonight download our prayer list there under the info tab you'll want to get that downloaded uh, if you need one of those in person and didn't get one they are on the front uh, pew right here if you see someone who comes in in a little bit uh, be sure to make sure they get one of those uh, but that way we can follow they can you can go ahead and be getting that downloaded to follow along when we get to the prayer list time uh, give us any updates on individuals that you may have uh, or any prayer requests but you'll need to do that on Facebook for us to do that live uh, that's what we'll be following there if you have any in person here you can do that at any time uh, but then also while you're on the church website there you can do your online giving uh, just go online there uh, to highlandbaptistchurch.com go to the far right hand side click the give online tab you can do your regular offering you can do your annie armstrong easter offering so i encourage you to take the time to do that and do continue to pray for those missionaries even beyond our emphasis time for the offering there so just wanted to make you aware of that brother mike is still not back with us uh, tonight uh, we'll share more about that in our prayer request uh, time so i'll be leading our song tonight page 14 praise to the lord Almighty is what we're going to be singing. So would you stand as we sing here? Page 14.
prayer list I held up a moment ago was from uh, last week. <laughs> and so um, if you've got your prayer list uh, there, uh, Miss Pat, do you have any update on Cindy? Oh, uh, she is at home. She's back at home. She is at home, but the last I heard and is doing pretty good. Okay. All right. I just wanted to get an update on her. Cindy Ingram is on our HBC family side there, and I've not heard an update uh, recently on her, but Ms. Pat was telling us she is back home. She is has improved and is doing better, So, but do want to keep her uh, in your prayers. Uh, she continues to deal with those situations. Uh, do want to continue to remember Cindy Jordan, who is still uh, dealing with her broken ribs. I uh, want to pray for her. Jack Doubt uh, has uh, some future surgery they've still not scheduled that yet he's still got to meet uh, with the surgeon and they canceled that appointment the last time he went so he's hoping to get that done soon at least with that appointment and then they'll know when his surgery is going to be also remember um, if you will bernice cox uh, in your prayers donna agcock uh, who has uh, breast cancer and ken agcock uh, and they have several issues that are going on there uh, even with i believe it's his dad is that right and so want to keep them in prayer. Janet Carter uh, is at home, but just keep her in prayer as she continues to, to uh, do the things she needs to do to keep moving around and doing, uh, getting better there. So keep her in your prayers. Uh, Sandra Wells uh, has her upcoming uh, kidney stone uh, surgery. That's still going to be not this coming week, but the following week. Uh, so keep her in your prayers. But Leanne uh, is still having some issues with her knee. In fact, they found some infection in the knee, so they took a sample of that to send that off to find out exactly what it is so they can give her the right antibiotics for that. But she's hoping that doesn't keep her from being there for her mom with her surgery. So keep, keep Leanne in your prayers with all of that. And then Betsy Farrell uh, is recovering from her uh, leg procedure that she had done uh, yesterday also. So that's some of the ones that I know of uh, on the Highland Baptist Church uh, family side. Uh, if you'll look under the nursing home list, there is a couple of changes there. One is with Susie Barton. Uh, she is at Morning Point now. Uh, she has moved uh, the other day to there. So be in prayer for her that everything will continue to go smoothly for her. I know the more routine that is, the better it will be. So just continue to pray for her. And then Bertie Davis has also been moved. Uh, I should say there, she's been moved from Life Care uh, to Brookdale. So you want to remember her. Uh, in your prayer. So you may want to change that on your prayer list there that she's been moved to Brookdale. And then if you look over on the friends and family side, there are several that are on there, but just want to uh, make mention uh, of a few there to continue to remember uh, Joanna Kohler's cousin who passed away. Uh, Betty and David Lehman uh, are the parents there and the family and the passing of their son. It was a sudden uh, passing there. So you want to remember them in prayer. Uh, and let me look here real quickly. I did not get this to Amy to get the last name here. Uh, but uh, you'll have down underneath that Tammy is Tammy Sparkman uh, that you'll want to remember in prayer. This is the granddaughter of Leona Ross, uh, who was uh, Matthew's mom. Uh, she, the, Tammy uh, Sparkman, she has just been diagnosed with bone cancer, and this is Leona's granddaughter. So you want to remember her uh, in your prayer. And then Jim Stringfield. As we mentioned, uh, Mike's not here with us tonight and was not here with us Sunday. Uh, his father had to have a temporary pacemaker put in on Sunday, then they put the permanent in on Monday. He's doing better, uh, at, but Mike is with him uh, tonight, and then he'll probably uh, go home later this week uh, from the hospital. So want to keep him in prayer. He seems to be doing good from that, uh, but Mike said he's stubborn, <laughs> and so uh, pray for Mike, <laughs> too, as he's uh, taking care of him. So it's his night to, to be with him. They're kind of switching that out with, with the, the siblings there. Okay. Rhonda Morris is on here. This is the Crystal procedure. Yes. So that's uh, Rhonda Morris, uh, who was one of our CDC preschool teachers. Uh, her prayer request is going to be a long, ongoing thing there. She uh, is, is, by all practical terms, cancer-free, but she still has some pain issues there uh, from things and, and will probably have to wear a colostomy bag and those type things. But she is going to have a surgery next week. We think that's right. 
so keep her in your prayers as she has uh, that done. Any other updates or any other prayer requests? Just a moment to look. If you're at home, uh, be sure to go over to Facebook there and comment if you have any updates or any prayer requests. If we don't get it in right this minute, we will definitely look again before we leave and update any requests there uh, that maybe you put in. Those are the ones that I know about. I don't see anybody else here in person. I don't see any comments there on Facebook. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer then and we'll get into our Bible study here in the book of Amos. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. We thank you, Lord, for what a beautiful day you've given us, a beautiful spring day. Father, we thank you for all the, all the things that are budding forth and life that is coming forth through the trees and the grass and the flowers. And Lord, that you're reminding us, Lord, that even though we go through the winter where things die, uh, Lord, there is life after death. And that's a reminder to us, uh, Lord, even of the resurrection, that if we know Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, there is life after death for us. And so thank you, Lord, for what you do each and every day, for watching over us, for protecting us, for providing for us. You are a great and a mighty, awesome God who is with each one of us at the same time. You know our deepest thoughts uh, that maybe we even try to sometimes hide from you and there's nothing we can hide from you. So we just come before you tonight, Lord, and in, in all humility, knowing that we cannot hide anything, including our sin. And we ask, Lord, for you to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. We ask, Lord, for you to stir our hearts to a more faithful walk with you. We ask, Lord, for your blessings upon us. We ask, Father, for uh, you to be glorified and honored in our lives. And for that to happen, we must come confessing our sins, seeking your forgiveness. Lord, we don't want to hold on to any of that in our hearts uh, because you've told us if we do, if we hold on to sin, if we don't deal with sin in our lives, you will not hear our prayers from on high. And so that's a, a hindrance there. So, Father, I pray that we will come confessing those things, asking you, Lord, to bring out into the light of your truth things that maybe we haven't even thought about that we did, or maybe we thought of, or maybe we said, uh, or maybe things, Lord, that we didn't do that you told us to do, and we omitted doing that, Lord. That is sin also. If we know to do good and do it not, to him that doeth it not, it is sin. So, Father, I pray that you would forgive us with the, and cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that uh, as we come into your presence tonight, we want you to hear our prayer requests. Thank you, Lord, that we have each one of these who are listed here. We know there are other unspoken requests on people's hearts. And so we just want to uplift all of those things to you. We ask, Lord, for your will to be done in their lives. We ask, Lord, especially for these on this list, that you will divinely intervene into their lives, touch them, bring the physical healing uh, that they need to their bodies. Father, restore them physically and give them the strength that they need uh, each and every moment of each and every day. Father, I pray that those who are going through these difficult times, Lord, that they would turn to you and you would use this as a time for those who are believers uh, to help them grow in their walk with you. And for those who are not, Lord, that you will use this as a time for them to realize that their only hope for eternity is in Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray for your blessings upon uh, each and every one of these individuals. Be with their caregivers and family members who are taking care of them. And we just pray, God, that you will uh, give them strength uh, to do whatever's necessary and give them wisdom and discernment in the proper care for their loved ones and for uh, those patients. Be with the doctors and be with the nurses to give them that wisdom and discernment. Uh, Father, we just pray that you would uh, be with... Uh, our Awana kids who are meeting tonight uh, in another part of the building, we pray, God, that uh, as they are learning your word, hiding, their, hiding your word in their hearts, that they might not sin against you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just uh, help them, Lord, that it would be that lamp unto their feet, that light unto their path to guide them in making decisions in their life, especially, Lord, to present your word to them because you've told us in your word that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, I pray that they will trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior as the word of faith is planted 
in their hearts and in their lives by the seed of the Word of God. And so, Father, we just pray your blessings uh, upon them and ask, Lord, for uh, your will to be done. Be with all of our workers who are working with them, too. And, Lord, we just pray for your blessings on them. Be with our youth. Uh, who are meeting tonight also as they uh, many times in their adolescent age years are, are questioning things and, and wondering about how does this uh, current event or this world situation fit into the scriptures and how does it apply to my life. Uh, Father, I pray that you will give them wisdom, give them clarity in their hearts and understanding from your word. I pray, God, that you'll be with Pastor Matt and other youth leaders who are helping them. Father, I pray your blessings upon them tonight too. And bless us as we we studied the book of Amos in our adult Bible study tonight. We pray, God, that you will uh, just use this to help us to see that even in this Old Testament passage, there is a current uh, uh, application for us, for where we are today. And Father, I pray that uh, if we are here tonight or we're watching online and we don't know Christ as our Savior, I pray we'll hear the gospel in the book of Amos. And if we do know Christ, Lord, I pray this will be used to encourage us to make sure that we're making the most of every moment that we have to be a witness to others through our words and through our actions that they would see Jesus in us. So bless your word tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I don't think I have a light on, but... Thank you. It's going to get... Uh, darker as we go on and so I wanted to make sure I had uh, plenty of light there. Take your Bibles. We're going to look at Amos chapter 7 through chapter 9 tonight. Uh, there's a lot to cover and so obviously as we've been covering the book of Amos we have not been covering every single verse uh, but we have been looking at the overall themes and and many of the verses throughout the chapters uh, and so we're coming to this last section here in the book of Amos as we're going through the minor prophets on our Wednesday night Bible studies. So we're just going to be hitting those high spots. As we've already said before, Amos was a preacher uh, of some hard truths uh, in the Bible. He preached on judgment. In fact, when you go back to Amos chapter 1 uh, and verse 1, it says, The word of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, when, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake, verse 2 says, And he said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn and the top of Carmel, Mount Carmel, witnesses. And so when he says there, the Lord roars from Zion, that's another way of saying that judgment is coming. We talked a little bit about that last time because when a lion roars, he's roaring because there's a prey uh, that's in, in place. And so uh, the Lord is roaring because he's about to bring judgment uh, on, on some people. And so uh, Amos, he chooses his text from the book of Joel, uh, and, and he preaches on the judgment of God. Because he does, and because he does that, some people say, well, Amos is just a cold-hearted preacher, if you will. And yet when we read the prophecies of Amos, we discover that there's a man here who not only preaches the, about judgment, he preaches it with a tear in his eye. He preaches it with a burdened heart. Uh, as he preaches about judgment, he's also preaching about God's love. And so as he preaches about it, he preaches about hope. So we're going to discover that as we come to the conclusion here of the book of Amos in these last chapters, that in the midst of, of the judgment and in the midst of the retribution that Amos preaches about, he's also holding out a great hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. So as we come to these closing verses, you're going to notice there's going to be a dramatic shift, if you will, in the subject matter from God's retribution and judgment to restoration. And you'll remember that in Amos chapter 1, you're given there the basic outline. Amos 1.1 says, the word of Amos, and then it says, which he saw. Chapter 3 through 6 gives us the words that he said. And then verse seven, chapter 7 through chapter 9 are the visions, the five visions that he saw. And so what he said, what he saw, and then those visions. 
And, and so first of all, he, he tries to preach to the people through the means of the ears, uh, through the preaching of the word. Now he's seeking to reach the people through the eyes in telling them and painting to them this vivid picture, these images of this, uh, these visions of a dramatic judgment uh, that is coming upon the people. So look at chapter 7, if you will, in verse 1. You're going to see first the horrors of retribution. The horrors of retribution. So chapter 7 and verse 1. Amos gives us here a series of five visions or five vivid pictures. They're easy to follow because he begins them with a similar phrase. Verse 1 says, that is what the Lord showed me. Look on down to verse 4. This is what the Lord God showed me. Look on down to verse 7. This is what he showed me. Go to chapter 8 and verse 4. Hear this, uh, or sorry, um, should be, yes, verse 1. I, I put uh, the wrong thing there. I don't need anything, Siri. <laughs> so he says in verse 1, this is what the Lord God showed me. And so every time he's using that phrase over and over and over, uh, in chapter 9 and verse 1, he finally comes, uh, finally caught on, and, and he says, I saw the Lord standing beside the altar. And so those phrases give us those five visions, the five pictures of the horrors of retribution, the judgment of God that was going to come upon the people. So when you look at chapter 7, verse 1 through verse 3, you're going to see here the first vision. So beginning with verse 1, he says, This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, he was forming locusts when the latter growth was just beginning to sprout, and behold, it was the latter growth after the king's mowings. When they had finished eating the grass of the land, I said, O Lord God, please forgive. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. And the Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. And so here you see that first vision. Well, that first vision is the vision of the invasion of the locusts. Where have we seen that before? Back in the book of Joel. And so he's, he's reaffirming there that vision from Joel. Uh, it's a picture of the locusts, if you will, in the beginning stages, in the larva stage. Uh, the first verse says, he was forming. Uh, they're just now forming. So it's going to come in the, the latter growth of things. It's going to come after the king's mowing. Uh, the king uh, goes through. He takes his taxes out. And then after that, the next crop, the people use to sustain their existence. And so now, after that, after all those blessings and all those things that were happening and all the, the judgment that happened before, uh, there's this impending judgment now uh, of locusts that are coming. And Amos sees all that. And his heart is broken. And he begins to plead with the Lord in intercession for Jacob. He, he basically says to the Lord there in verse 2, Lord, forgive them. Who will arise on Jacob's behalf? And then it says, and the Lord relented for this. So what you have here is this remarkable example of what we call intercessory prayer. When you pray for someone else, that's intercession. You think about in the Old Testament, Abraham interceded uh, on behalf of his, his nephew Lot and the city uh, of, of Sodom. And, and you remember if there could have been one righteous person that had been found in Sodom, the city would have been spared. Abraham almost saved the city of Sodom by his intercessory prayers. You also would see back in the Old Testament the intercessory prayer of Moses uh, when the Lord said, I'm going to destroy uh, this disobedient people. And Moses, he intercedes on their behalf. Uh, he begins to pray and he begins to ask God to, to deliver them. And judgment was averted because of the prayer of Moses. You know, we may never fully know the, the results and the, of the power of intercessory prayer. Because I wonder how many uh, national tragedies have been averted uh, because of the prayer of God's people who asked God to stay his hand of judgment, to spare his people. 
Now, when it says there, God relented, some versions will read, God repented. And, and the Lord repented. Uh, but we know, of course, that the Bible says that the Lord is not a man that he should repent. So what does that mean? Uh, that word in the English Standard Version is really a better word, the word relented. Uh, it means the Lord sighed or the Lord relented. And we learn something here about prayer. In prayer, we get to the mind, to the heart of God. Prayer gets us into contact with God. God wanted to spare the people and somehow in the mystery of God's providence, God uses the prayer of his people, people like Amos, to help accomplish his will. And so he begins to pray to intercede on the, on the behalf of uh, the tribe of Jacob. And so in the first vision, we see the, the, the judgment is averted. In Amos chapter 1 verse 4, we see the second vision. And the second vision says, in, in chapter 7 and verse 4, This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord God was calling for a judgment by fire, and it devoured the great deep and was eating up the land. So evidently there's been a drought, uh, and now there's a fire. Uh, it says in verse 5 and verse 6, Then I said, O Lord God, please cease. How can Jacob stand he is so small. So again, Amos is interceding on behalf of Jacob. Uh, and it says in verse 6, The Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be, said the Lord God. So Amos is praying again. He's calling on God. Fire has come. A drought has come. Here's judgment. Amos goes to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord groans and relents. And now we see judgment restrained again. We learn something else about prayer here. Not only do we see that prayer gets us to the mind and the heart of God, but we also learn that prayer enables us to see what God sees. Do you see what God sees in, in, in the world around us, in your life? As we, as, are you close to God? Are you in fellowship with God? When, when you watch the news, do you see what God sees? Uh, do you see the work behind the scenes? That's what Amos is seeing here. He's beginning to see the work behind the scenes. He's beginning to see what God sees. That's the second vision. The third vision comes in verse 7 down through verse 9. This is what he showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos... What do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. So you get the picture here, the vision is of a plumb line. Now, plumb line is a weight that's on the end of a string. With the plumb line, it gives you uh, the, the, the true perpendicular to the earth. So uh, you may have ground that shifts if you're building a fence. You could think of it in that way so that you don't get your, your slats off like this to keep them straight up and down. You could use a plumb line uh, to make sure that you're going directly with the, the line on the ground, how the, the ground level is going. Uh, and that's what he's talking about here, a plumb line. Uh, that's used uh, to give you the true perpendicular. It's used as a measure. It's used as a standard. And so what you see there, that's the true standard. And so Amos sees this vision of the Lord standing there against a wall with a plumb line. He sees that vision and that plumb line is gauging the wall. Is the wall straight or is the wall leaning? Is the wall off? It tells you just how true it is, how perpendicular the wall is. It's used in this text, as it's used in this text, the wall refers to, to all the institutions in the nation of Israel. It's saying that God is going to put his standard alongside all the institutions of Israel, all the, the commerce, all the religious institutions, everything that makes up Israel, he's going to put it up against this plumb line. When you look at Amos 1.9, he says that the high places are going to be desolate. They don't meet the standard. The sanctuaries of Israel will be laid waste. 
they're leaning when it comes to the standard of God. So that causes us to think then and to, to begin to wonder if we were to put God's standards against our institutions, in other words, how would it be if, if your family, uh, your home life, would it measure up, how would it measure up against God's standards? If you took God's standards and you laid it beside the, the life of you and your family, how would it stand up? Would there be any leaning of the wall in your house? What about the church? If you take the church itself and, and you place it against the standard of God's word, the plumb line of God's word, is it matching up uh, with, with God's word or is it leaning? What about our schools? Are our schools leaning away from God's standard? Uh, what about our government? Is our government leaning away from God's standard? What about our culture? Is, God, is the culture leaning away from God's standard? When you look at those things, so often what we see is the wall is leaning, and it's almost like the Tower of Pisa. It looks like it's about to fall. And so uh, when you think about all those things, God measures by his plumb line, not by our plumb line. See, our plumb line is not true. Our plumb line is crooked. We say, well, well, this looks okay compared to me. Or I look okay compared to so-and-so. And so we use others to be our plumb line rather than God and his word. Judgment is determined by this, by the plumb line. It shows the basis of God's judgment. And that seems to have been the setting that brings us to this parenthesis, if you will, this little break in the, in, in the judgments that are coming here uh, to give us this little parenthetical piece in verse 10. In verse 10 it says, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. In other words, he's too hard a preacher. We can't take what he's saying. Verse, and, and then he goes on into verse 11, uh, as we're going to see in just a moment. But there in verse 10, you begin to see that. When Amos mentioned the king back in verse 9, that's really what kind of sets things off that we come to verse 10 about. Because notice who Amos speaks about. He starts calling names now. He starts calling the name of Jeroboam. Who's Jeroboam? He's the king. He's in the king's chapel in the northern kingdom at Bethel. And that's when things really begin to get stirred up. And Amaziah, who was the king's preacher, says in verse 10 and going on to verse 11, he says, For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from the land. So Amaziah, he runs to the king, and he tattletales on, on Amos here. He says, Amos is preaching too hard here. We can't take what he's preaching. He's saying that you're going to die by the sword, and that Israel's going to be taken off into captivity. And then he goes out, and he tells Amos in verse 12, We've looked at this verse before. Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go flee away to the land of Judah and eat bread there and prophesy there. In other words, if you remember, here's Amos, who's kind of that country preacher come to town. He's telling him, you're just a country hick. You just need to go on back down to Judah where you came from. Don't come up here preaching this stuff anymore. This is where the king goes to church, and we don't want to hear any of this. He didn't really know what he was dealing with. Because notice what Amos goes on to say in verse 14. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. So he was saying, I wasn't a preacher's son. I wasn't a preacher by trade. I'm not a professional preacher. Preacher, I was out there tending my flocks in verse 15, but the Lord took me from following the flock and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. My people Israel is the northern kingdom. Go prophesy to the northern kingdom. Amos is from the southern kingdom. And so he, he's saying, I was just a country boy out there, just a farmer. The Lord laid his hands on me. The Lord called me to preach, and I'm just going to do what the Lord has told me to do. And Amos preached what God had to say, and nobody could stop him from preaching. And so we move on into chapter 8, 
and verse 1, and we come to the fourth vision. This is what the Lord showed me. Behold, a basket of summer fruit. So he begins there. It's fruit that's been picked, uh, that's been put in a basket. It's to be a beautiful picture there. Uh, of what, what he's showing us here uh, in this vision. I mean, you think about it, to have a basket of fruit uh, in, in the middle of the hot summer, that would be refreshing to have. And so verse 2 goes on to say, And he said, Amos, what do you see? And he says, I, I saw a basket uh, of, of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, The end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. Uh, and then verse 3, uh, he goes on to say, The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, declares the Lord God. So many dead bodies, they are thrown everywhere. Silence. So what is the purpose of this vision? Well, God is trying to say to the northern kingdom of Israel, judgment is imminent. Fruit that has been plucked is at its height of its beauty and its ripeness. Because think about it. Back in that day, they didn't pick fruit like we pick fruit today. We pick fruit before it's ever ripe on the trees so that it can get through all that process to get to the stores for you to get it. So that many times that's why your tomatoes don't taste like a, a good fresh tomato out of the garden or, or a fresh apple uh, out of the orchard or fresh peach or those kinds of things. It's because they picked them early to get them to you. Here he's saying this is a fresh picked basket of fruit and it's been picked at the at the peak of its beauty and the peak of its ripeness the only way for this fruit to go is down it only goes down from here when you pick it in its ripeness what happens you better eat it pretty soon or it's going to spoil it's going to rot in fact that's what he's saying here the only course for the fruit after it's been cut and plucked is that it goes into deterioration if it didn't get eaten. And so God is saying to Amos, to the people through Amos, the end is come, it's just about over, judgment is on the way. And so you can kind of get the picture here of Amos as he's walking through the streets of Bethel in the north, the worship place in the northern kingdom. And you can see with tears rolling down his cheeks as he weeps and he says to them, the end is come, the end is come, the end is come. And then we come to verse 4. And he says this. He says, hear this. You who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end. So this judgment didn't just come out of left field from nowhere. He's already told them in the previous sermons that he's preached to them how they mistreated people, how there was no justice, and how they were being unjust to the, to the poorer people. And now he says uh, here in verse 4, uh, he says, You trampled on the needy, uh, you bring the poor of the land to an end. So what he's talking about here is the ethics of the land. He's talking about, uh, takes us to the marketplace, if you will. He talks about the injustices and the unethical practice in the marketplace, in business there. And you go on down to verse 5, and in verse 5 he says, uh, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make an ephah small, and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with false balances. So when he says there, make the ephah small, it's like having false bottoms in the container so we can cheat the people. We'll put something in, but things are going to fall out the bottom uh, with a trickery, with a sleight of hand here. Uh, or the shekel great to have falsified weights uh, on the scales, on the balances. In fact, the word balances there is the word, Hebrew word for ear. It's the inner ear that gives us the balance. And the problem here is that their balances were false. Notice verse 6. He says, this is what you've said, you want to do all this, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any 
of these deeds. He goes on to say in verse 8, Shall not the land tremble on this account, and every one mourn who dwells in it, and all of it rise like the Nile, and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt. And on that day, declares the Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation, into weeping. And I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. In these verses, he's talking there still about those unethical practices. And that's the reason why God said judgment is on the way. So when you read this scripture and you read about what's going on in our own nation, what goes on in our own world, the corruptness in the marketplace, the corruptness uh, that happens in so many uh, different areas and spheres uh, of the business uh, industry, we, we really begin to marvel uh, at, at the, the judgment of God hasn't fallen already on America. Somebody may say, well, oh, it can't happen to America. It can happen. To America. I mean, think about it. The Israelites thought that they were above the judgment of God, but they weren't. God sent this prophet Amos, and Amos preached that the judgment is going to come, and it did come just as God predicted through Amos. So notice the seriousness of a land that is under judgment in verse 11 down through verse 13. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine in the land. Notice, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but a famine for the hearing of the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. In that day, the lovely virgins, then the young men shall faint for thirst. Amos says there's a famine coming to the land, but it's not a famine of bread. God has made the body in such a way that it has to have food for sustenance. The, you need food for the body. Uh, as the body needs food, the soul needs the word of the Lord, the word of God. It's the word of God that feeds our, our human soul. And so Jesus himself said, man shall not live by what? Shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so there's something down deep in your heart, deep in your soul that needs to hear from God. There's something down inside of us that can only be nourished and only be fed by the word of God. And God says here, I'm going to send a famine in the land of the word of the Lord. That's what he said in verse 12 there. He says they're going to try to find it. They're going to go from the north to the east. They're going to go all over the place from sea to sea. They're going to run to and fro, but they're not going to find it because it's not going to be there. And that's exactly what happened. You come to the end of the book of Malachi, and there's a 400-year gap between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew where there was no word from the Lord. What a terrible tragedy that would be. I mean, that if we didn't have the word of God in our hands even uh, to be able to look at and to read and to, and to study. I mean, think about it. Do you value the word of the Lord, is it important to you? Are, are you inviting people to hear the word of God? It, if people don't appreciate the word, God can send a famine of the word. And you know who really suffers when the word of God isn't, isn't spoken, isn't preached, isn't taught? Notice verse 13 there on your screen. And that day the lovely virgins, the young women, and the young men shall faint for thirst. In other words, it's the young people who suffer. They're the ones who always suffer. They're the ones who suffer in divorces. 
Uh, they're the ones who suffer uh, by, by the choices we make as adults that they have to live with in, in the future. This is who suffers. It's the young people of the land. That's who hurts the worst. And that's what's happened right here in our own nation in America. We're living in, in a compromising day where the word of God isn't often taught and preached in, in so many circles and in, in our churches even and even amongst those, those youth that's why I thank God for the programs we have here at our church that we are doing things to, to instill the truths of God's word into not just youth, but even children, even young children. Uh, because uh, the, when they don't hear the truth about God, they don't hear about hell, they don't hear about judgment. Uh, sometimes we, we, we don't talk about those things because we think it'll drive them away. Uh, we aren't giving them the truth. And as a result, we have a generation of young people who have grown up who are, who are in those, those Gen X ages, those millennial ages there who, who uh, have been brought up who don't know what sin is, who don't know the difference between right and wrong, who, who don't have any standards by which to judge their daily behavior. And so whatever I feel like doing, that's what I should be able to do. I should be able to live however I want to. If I, if I feel like I'm a boy today and I'm a girl, I can be a boy today. I can do, if I'm a boy and I want to feel like a girl today, I can feel like a girl today. And we've come to that place in our own society, in our own world today. And so uh, they don't have any standard. They don't have that plumb line uh, of God's truth and God's word that Amos talks about by which to judge themselves. So how are we going to get them saved if they don't know they're lost? How are we going to get them to cry out to Jesus if they don't know they're in danger of dying and going to hell? I believe there is a literal hell, and I don't want anybody to go there. You ought not to want anybody to go there. But especially, you ought not to want little boys and girls to go there. Of anybody. Especially them. Make sure they hear the truth of God. That they see the truth of God living in your life. Uh, and so, what, what preaching Amos does here. And then look at this fifth vision in, in chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, I saw the Lord standing beside the altar. And he said, strike the capitals until the thresholds shake and shatter them on the heads of all the people. So he goes from the marketplace to the church, to the synagogue, to the tabernacle, to the temple. He's saying that the church is going to come crashing down around their heads. When things are wrong in the marketplace, things are wrong in the church. When things are right in the church, things will get right in the marketplace. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 1. He says, And those who are left of them I will kill with the sword. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. Judgment will come. Verse 2 says, If they dig into Sheol, if they try to go to hell, from there shall my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, Mount Carmel, from there I will search them out and take them. If they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent, and it shall bite them. When you see those verses, it reminds us of Psalm 139 verse 7 and 8 that says where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence if I ascend to heaven you are there if I make my bed in Sheol you are there he's saying that you cannot run away from God when we get to the book of Jonah you're really going to see that He's talking about here about the omnipresence of God. That means God is everywhere. That means there's not anywhere that God isn't. If you're saved, that's a comforting thought. Because the omnipresence of God is a comforting thought if you know him as your Savior. That Jesus is everywhere. There's nowhere that you can go that Jesus isn't. There's no place that you can be that he's not there. He's with us wherever we go. And when I get there, he's been waiting for me to get there. But if you're lost... That's a terrible thought. What a terrible thought if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands 
of the living God. What an awful thought if you're lost that when you die, you're going to stand before the God of this universe. You cannot run from God. He has your number. He has caught you. You didn't even maybe plan to, to listen in tonight, but he, he's brought you here. You've come face to face with God and you walked right into the presence of God. Somebody may say, well, Amos, Amos is just too hard. Do you think Amos was too harsh? Do you think it's, it's hard to preach on judgment? That it's, it, You think it's unkind? You think it's unloving to preach on judgment? Some people do. Some people think that's hard. Uh, but think about this. Suppose you went to the doctor and the doctor examines you and he does all the x-rays and the blood work and he says, man, you've got cancer and we have to get you to a specialist. If you don't get there quick, you're going to die. You go to the specialist. He administers the chemotherapy. He gives the prescriptions. Uh, the cancer goes away. Uh, you, you ha I have a feeling you would thank that doctor forever for warning you of your cancer. Think about this. If you were in bed tonight it's warm and it's cozy and you're feeling very safe and secure and all of a sudden you hear somebody pounding on the door and it disturbs you and you get up and you go to the door and you unlock it and you open it up and there I stand you look like I look like a wild man and I'm saying get your clothes get out of here get your children get out of here and you're like preacher what's the matter with you Have you gone crazy and you finally follow me and you come outside and as you come out you begin to see the fire from the roof and the fire running up the walls and you see the fire as your house comes crashing down. Would you look at me and say I've been too harsh? Would you be upset? I have a feeling most of us would want to put our, preacher, our, our arms around a preacher like that and say thank you preacher. Thank you for coming to get me, for warning me, for helping me to get out of the fire. Here's the point. When you look at Amos, you may think he's preaching hard, but he's preaching to get them out of the fire. He's preaching to get them saved, to try to get them to God. That's the horrors of retribution. And the Bible says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. That means if you should die in your sinful condition, you would be in hell forever. That's the horrors of retribution. But there's a final word here. And what a word it is. And it's quick. It's the hope of restoration. The hope of restoration. That's one of the things you'll always see through the minor prophets and the major prophets is when they preach a word of judgment, there is always a word of hope. The very fact that there was a preacher there meant that there was hope. So you go to chapter 9, verse 11, and it says, In that day I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Uh, so here, the very fact God has sent Amos to preach and warn them about judgment meant that there was hope for them. And now he gives the hope of restoration. He says in verse 12, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. God is simply saying this, I'm going to save the Gentiles. I'm going to save those who are outside the family of Israel. There's a remarkable promise of, of restoration of dynasty. This passage is quoted over in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 14, Simeon had related uh, how God first visited the Gentiles to take uh, from them a people for his name. And with his words of the prophets agree just as it is written. He says in verse 16 of chapter 15, quoting this passage back here in Amos, After this I will return and we will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Simeon uh, here has related uh, how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people to his name. And with his words of the prophets agree, uh, just as this is written, after this I will return. And so he gives us those verses there uh, and, and repeats that. And so he's saying here, uh, when, when 
they're discussing the salvation of the Gentiles in the early church there in the book of Amos, James quotes from this prophecy of Amos. And his point is to illustrate God's plan is for Gentiles to come to know Jesus as their Savior for us. His reference to the tabernacle of David is incidental to his quotation in the New Testament. But this prediction is actually a prediction of the restoration of the dynasty of David. That word tabernacle really means hut or booth here. So instead of the mighty house of David, it is degenerated into a hut or into a booth. But God says there's going to come a day when I'm going to restore the dynasty to David. When the Lord Jesus came in his first coming in John in John in chapter 1 uh, and verse 14, the Bible says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us or tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He was the king who sat upon the throne of David. And then at the end of the age, when Jesus comes back, the second time we're given the remarkable prophecy uh, in the book of uh, in the gospel of, of Luke, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 32 and 33, he says, uh, He will be uh, great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom of his kingdom there will be no end. So this prophecy is going to be fulfilled one day when Jesus comes again and reigns on this earth on the throne of David for those thousand years of the millennial reign. It's a restoration uh, of the dynasty there. And verse 13 of Amos chapter 9 goes on to say, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him, in, him in, who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. He says, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. What a wonderful promise that we have there of the millennial reign. What does God have, though, for us today? God promises that he will provide for our every need. You may not be a rich person. Probably most of us don't need to be a rich person. It'd probably ruin some of us. The Bible says in Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So this restoration of the dynasty we see, the restoration of plenty, and then the restoration of safety. He says, I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted. That hasn't happened yet because they were uprooted. They have come back now to Israel, but he's saying here uh, that I will plant them in their land. They shall never be again uprooted. That's talking about that millennial reign. Out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. And so God has made that promise for us of safety. He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. 2,000 years ago, outside Jerusalem, on a cross, this wonderful God-man, the Lord Jesus, died for you and for me to bring us from the retribution of our sin, the wages of sin is death, to bring us to restoration, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a message from the book of Amos. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your truth and thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we just pray, uh, Lord, that you would uh, just use this to continue to, to stir in our hearts, Lord, uh, to where we need to be in our walk with you. Lord, we may not be uh, walking with you the way we should. And so, Father, I pray that we'll be faithful more than ever as believers, that we will follow you, we'll obey you, we'll, we'll seek, Lord, to, to become more and more like Christ so that when we're being a witness to the world around us, we're not just being uh, a witness in, in, in our words, but we're being a witness uh, in our actions also. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, you will use this message to speak into our hearts, but especially to those who don't know Jesus. Lord, before that day comes that either their life ends or Jesus comes again when it'll be too late, Lord, I pray that they will, by faith, trust in what Jesus has done for them, that they will hear and that they will see and they will experience this message of restoration, of hope, 
in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us there uh, online. Uh, we'll be back Sunday morning, 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. Come and join us if you can. It's a wonderful blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, you won't be able to go anywhere to go out and do any outside things anyway. It's going to be raining. So, so come on to church where you can fellowship with others. But we'll see you Sunday morning, uh, 10.30 again. You have a safe week, and uh, we'll see you then.